Welcome to the Everything Building Envelope podcast. On this show, we discuss topics relating to the exterior building envelope, such as waterproofing, glazing, cladding, roofing, and more. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. For previous episodes, show notes, and bonus video content, check out our website, everythingbuildingenvelope.com. Now, here's your host for the Everything Building Envelope podcast, Paul Beers. Welcome, everybody. This is Paul Beers, and we have a really interesting topic today. It's prefabricated exterior wall panels, and our guest is Tim Salerno with StoCorp. Stowe has a prefabricated exterior wall panel program. Tim's well-versed in it, and he's going to tell us about it. So uh, welcome, Tim. Thanks, Paul. Thanks for having me. Yeah, really excited about this. So can you just tell everybody a little bit about your uh, background and experience? Sure, absolutely. So I've been in the, the construction business my entire career, all of which has been with StoCorp, uh, going on about 30 years right now. Uh, my experience is is mainly uh, started here in Florida, and it's widespread. It's starting as an office manager when Stowe used to sell direct to contractors here in the state of Florida. My role changed over the years. I, I became involved with the, the sale of the product, uh, went on to become territory manager for Stowe, and for the last 10 years, I have moved over to our strategic accounts department, mainly calling on corporate accounts and all of their people that support them, GCs, architects, wall, wall envelope consultants. But for the past year and a half, my focus has really changed to where it's more focused on an exciting um, initiative within Stowe, and it's called Stowe Panel Technology. And that's um, where I'm at now, and it is an exciting time at, at Stowe right now. Yeah, you know, I remember about, I think it was about a year ago, you and I, I ran into you at the um... – ACA, Agency for Healthcare Administration Hospital show in Orlando, and you were just you guys were just really starting to talk about this, and you were telling me about it. And it was really it's very interesting and very exciting. So that was why I thought it'd be good to see if we could get you on the podcast because I don't think you know probably not a lot of people know about it, and it's a you know it's a it's a different slant on on the way to do things and. To me, it looked like it was a really, really good idea. But before we do that, can you just tell everybody, for those who don't know, I think many probably do, just talk a little bit about Stowe, what their what their business is and, and what they do, particularly sure. here in the and, U.S.? Yeah, you know, in the U.S., most people know Stowe as the East company, and, and we are. That's still our core business in the U.S., Stowe is an international. So, let, let me stop you for half a, half a blank. EFS. Let, let's just tell everybody what EFS is real fast, and then continue on. Sure. EFS. EFS is short for Exterior Insulation and Finish Systems. And and Stowe and, actually. And I was going to say, and, and just just really again. So EFS. Does this describe kind of what the parts and pieces of EFS are? Because I know that's part of this whole discussion as we go forward. Sure. EFS is comprised of several components, starting with a substrate, whether it be masonry, concrete, or a, a sheathing, a studgeon sheathing, followed by a waterproof air and moisture barrier, and then adhesive to attach a number of different insulations to the substrate, followed by a reinforced mesh with base coat, 
and several different exterior, textured, intricately colored specialty finishes to choose from. Great. So sorry, sorry I interrupted. So you were talking about what Stowe does. Yeah, so you know, most people know of, of Stowe here in the U.S. as East. Um, you know, Stowe is an international global leader in various market segments. We're currently in approximately 70 countries around the globe, and people are surprised of, of what else Stowe is into, from rain screen wall systems, ventilated rain screens, to acoustical seamless um, ceilings called Stowe Silent, to high-end interior coatings, floor coatings, uh, but here in the U.S., our focus today is still with EAPS, um, higher-end stucco systems, specialty finishes, high-performance, or we, what we like to call functional coatings. They, they're coatings with a purpose, uh, waterproofing, air barriers, and uh, more recently into prefabrication. You know, it's pretty funny. You're, you're talking about stoving in all these countries, and um, my wife and I, we, we go on these hiking trips overseas and I can remember being in Europe, I can't remember Switzerland, Germany, and I'm seeing stove buckets around and it's it's just kind of funny because I wasn't expecting that. People ask me, Paul, you know, you've been with stove thirty years, what's the what's the trick? How come you stay here so long? I said, Well, it, it goes back to the family, the Stopemeister family and their mission has always been building with conscience and the family and the company really practices this, and that's one of the reasons I'm at this company, and it's truly a commitment to quality, sustainability, and doing the right thing. That's that's what we're all about. And that's refreshing to hear that instead of just being focused on the bottom line, which unfortunately happens out there. So, um, so we're going to talk about the um, the wall panels, but let's let's just talk in general about cladding systems um and we and we can you know it could be eaves or stucco just kind of um how things traditionally been done and and how does and, and sort of segue let's segue into talking about what the idea is with the prefab panels sure and and, and as you probably know over the last you know 10 years things are train you know construction industry in this country is changing drastically and quickly especially because of new code requirements for air barriers and continuous insulation uh, with the CI requirements. And as I travel around the country, I'm seeing the trend where contractors are dealing with a severe labor shortage, lack of skilled labor, and, and that's no matter what the construction industry. It's not just east and stucco. It's, it's widespread. And Contractors are looking for ways to continue to to grow their business. They're managing their future. And in the case of family-run businesses, and for those younger generation that's interested in carrying on the business, they're looking for a sustainable uh, growth pattern. What's out there? What are the trends? What are the technologies that are going to keep them moving forward and enable them to grow their company? So there's a, a, several sophisticated, reputable contractors around the country that are looking at that, and prefabrication is just one approach that gives them this other opportunity of what's to come and what's upon us right now. Yeah, so if we if we look back, actually, I need to look back and <laughs> talk about what we're doing right now. So right now, basically, with the 
with buildings, you know, whether it be masonry or studs and sheathing or whatever, would you agree that's generally all field assembled? Yeah, for the most part. You know, we're seeing pockets around the country where you'll see the steel studs and the glass mat sheathing prefabricated and then flown on the walls, and then a, a different subcontractor will come in and apply the waterproofing, and maybe another subcontractor comes in and, and applies the, the cladding, whatever it may be. So, you know, everything in what we do in our lives is changing so drastically. Construction is one of those items that has changed very slowly. I mean, we can go to a job site today and see 50 to 100 guys working off, you know, scaffolding. Uh, that's one item that I know keeps contractors up at night worrying about the safety of their employees working off scaffolding. And it's slow. you got to put it up. You know, you, you can't – it inhibits you from doing other things when it's when it's in place in the way and, and whatnot. And and I agree with you. The construction industry is has been slow to change in a lot of their, their means and methods. I think they. I think we know it's coming, but but there's pe- but people don't like change. I think in general, and and change isn't necessarily a bad thing. In fact, it, it's a good thing. We we at my company we say you know if we're not changing, we're going backwards. And I think that that I really believe that applies to a lot of things, including construction practices and and cladding systems and everything else. And we're, so, um, is, you know, Paul, we're seeing owners and GCs. There's a certain clientele out there that are looking for that next technology to solve the myriad of issues that they're facing as owners and design professionals today. Uh, so, one of those solutions is what Stowe's offering with Stowe Panel Technology. So, so what are so what's some of the so I'm, I assume you may be on the other hand also having getting some resistance from some or people that have some have some concerns and questions. What kind of um, things are you guys hearing in that regard? Well, typical concerns are you know most people know Stowe as an EFS stucco company, so they feel they can only use a prefabricated panel with Stowe products on it, or or it looks like you know the normal or standard or blasé eaves or stucco, which is, which is not true. Um, our program incorporates whatever the owner and design professional would like to see on their building, whether it be an eaves-type building or if they want to use metal, thin brick, or a variety of other claddings, they can do that with our program. We have some standardized details, and each panel starts the same way, so no matter where an owner has a job around the country, they can ex- expect to see a standardized process. At, at a certain point, they would switch to the cladding of their, of their choice. And for the most part, we're seeing many owners like to see a combination of products on their buildings anyways. So we're offering them a, a one-source way to do that, whether it's a stove product for the final finish or a metal cladding or a thin brick, for example. How built out are these panels? I mean, what's, obviously, you've got, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, you have the framing system, the sheathing, the cladding material. Is there anything else that comes with them? I mean, just to, just for example, would, would windows be installed or, um, I don't know. That's, that's, a, good, that's a good question. Uh, in the way, our Stowe's approach around the country is we've teamed up with what we call Stowe Panel Affiliates. So these are independent contractors 
that are either existing panelizers or they're companies that have this vision and they want a, this growth pattern so they've become involved with prefabrication. And we, we leave that decision up to the individual panel affiliate to choose if they want to install windows. I can tell you that we do have some in our program that are currently installing and flying panels as we speak. I mean, panels with windows in them as we speak. Wow. What's what's the typical size of a panel? I, I'm sure there isn't a typical size. But what's I guess maybe a better question would be, what's the size range of a panel? A lot of it depends on the panel type they're using. If they're using a thin brick panel, it's going to be heavier, so it's going to be smaller. But let's just take a a cladding that uses our, our EFS-type acrylic renders on it. Uh, typically, you may see a 10-foot wide by 30 or maybe even a 40-foot long panel. A lot of it is dictated on transportation. Are you going through a tunnel? Are you going through a bridge? Uh, the lightest weight panel we have is about 8 to 10 pounds per square foot, and I've seen them as wide as 14 feet up to 40 feet. All, wow. all dependent on trucking, what the flatbed can handle, and jurisdictions on highways, for example. Are there any limitations with building sizes that they could be used on? Not that I'm aware of, no. They're going on anything from one-story buildings, you know, large footprints, currently installing panels on a 30-plus story right now in Texas. So they've gone as high as 40 or 50 stories. So these panels go go up on the building, and obviously, you know, you have a big building, you have lots of panels. How do they how do they weatherproof? You know, like between the panels and things like that. And, then, and that's one of the concerns you had asked me about earlier. You know, one concern was, you know, limited cladding, which we we know that's not true anymore. We offer them several claddings to choose from. But the other concern is the panel to panel joints. Uh, but like typical with the precast industry. Uh, prefabrication does require joints to be dealt with on, on the in the field, and we have um, partners or affiliates in our network that have been uh, installing panels for about 30 years, and they've successfully installed these things over the years. And they used to use single stage sealant joints with success. Our requirements today require a dual stage silicone sealant joint. And we have two white papers to support testing uh, of that joint. So we're confident that with good building practices, with flashings and windows and pan flashings, along with the two-state sealant joint, we can provide an owner with peace of mind and a quality, watertight, airtight, um, thermal efficient um, building envelope. Yeah, and, the, and those dual sealant joints are, are nothing new. They've been around a long, long time, and it's it's kind of like an air barrier type of system where if you have a problem with the outside, say it weathers or gets damaged or whatever, the inside joint is much better protected. Um, it provides a, a moisture barrier, and because it's there, the air can't blow through the joint either, which helps a lot with, with keeping water out. So... That I know that as, as being a proven technology, like you said, with precast and things like that for long, long, probably as long as you and I have been out here doing this. So you talked a little bit about the cladding options that are available for owners and design professionals to, to choose from. Just just a kind of a related question. With the, with the finishes that, that you guys have, say, say we're talking about EFs, you can 
t talk about what kind of looks you can come up with beyond just a traditional stucco. It, it's amazing out there right now. The some of the contractors that we have in this country are excellent. That the quality that they can put out is amazing, and we have developed finishes that can replicate other higher end materials, whether it's a stone look, a limestone, a granite look, um, ultra smooth finishes, which is a, a, a trend right now, as well as a, a faux brick, where certain contractors can replicate what appears to be you know, real brick on the wall. Typically we'll see panels flying, you know, second floor and above. Typically it's not done on the first floor unless there's um, reason to do it. So it, in, in case of brick, somebody may use a thick brick, real brick on that first floor, but above that second floor they may change to a 8-pound, 10-pound per square foot stove panel with what we call our creative brick. And, and again, it's amazing what can be accomplished with some of these newer finishes in today's market. You mentioned trends, and you said the smooth finishes. Are there any other trends that are really prevalent right now that, that architects and owners are looking for? We see that they want to see a, a multiple claddings in the same building, colors, color options. We see a lot of darker accents being used. Um, and again, that, that smoother metal metal panel appearance is very well received. So, so when these panels are put together um, by your by your applicators or your affiliates, should I say, um, how how do they do that? I mean, do they um, go out in the field somewhere and just build the thing and bring it out, or do they have a um, you know big factory or what? What's t how's that done, or what are the requirements for somebody who wants to be an affiliate? For for the most part, most of them have uh, plants facilities climate-controlled uh, plants throughout the United States. There's certain areas around the country, like Las Vegas, for instance. Um, a lot of times they'll, they'll work 24-7 by those casinos and they'll build panels in a, an empty lot or, or an empty warehouse. But the, for the most part, our affiliates have strategically located plants that are situated throughout the country. Um, some of our affiliates are, are using BIM, 3D modeling, you know, using roll formers, um, CNC machines. So there's various levels of, of technologies being used, but for the most part, people are building these panels within factory-controlled uh, facilities. Now, um, obviously, one of the you mentioned this before. One of the one of the things that really thought needs to be put into logistically is getting them from the factory to the field. So what? How is there kind of like a rule of thumb for how far away the, the the plant would be from the site? I mean, are they generally nearby, or or can they travel long distance? Or do I know they can, but would they travel longer distances? Or how's that they, shaking they certainly, out? They they certainly can. And, and before we started this initiative, you know, we've had customers that were panelizing in Kentucky, shipping panels to Texas or or other parts of the country. So this new approach by providing an owner localized panel affiliates, we're, we're becoming closer to the job sites. But you know, I, I don't, I don't know if there's a um, right number. I don't know if it's 500, 600 miles. But we're we're reducing that mileage with the type of affiliates and the number of affiliates that we're setting up around the country. 
I know that the um, the reduced mileage is important to those folks who are chasing lead points, obviously. So let's talk about some of the some of the um, technicalities. I don't know if technicalities is the word, but you know, what about meeting code requirements and having you know air barriers or, or moisture planes and hurricanes, all that kind of stuff. Let's just start with the code requirements. Do, do are these panels capable of, of meeting all the codes in the U.S., including you know high wind requirements and things of that nature? Yes. Well, you know, once once we decided to get into this, that's one of the big drivers. We need to make sure we can meet the codes, especially with the the advancements for the continuous insulation and the air barriers. And where we live here in Florida, you know, you have to be able to meet the the Miami-Dade County large and small impact resistance and some of the other criteria. Um, such as air infiltration, water resistance, and cyclic wind pressure loading. So yes, our, our panels are designed to incorporate those elements into it, starting from the the air barrier. Every in our case, every stove panel starts exactly the same way, which includes your your cold form steel framing, your your glass mat sheathing, and then your waterproofing slash air barrier. In our, our case, it's called Stogard. From that standpoint out, from that point out, an owner can choose, choose, choose various cladding veneers. The, the CI, continuous insulation claddings, are the ones that are, are obviously the most popular right now. And um, you have to incorporate air barriers. You have to tie them into the other components of, a, of the building, whether it be the panel-to-panel -panel joint, where the air barrier meets the roof and the slab, as well as the, the rough openings with a continuous air seal around the windows. This is a question that the architects will be interested in. Who actually does all the design and the detailing and whatnot? So let's say we have an architectural firm that gets involved with the panel job, hasn't done it before. What are their resources to pull this all together and, and make sure they get it right? That's a good question because unlike your traditional you know, design and then put the job out to bid, prefabrication is different. It, it becomes a design assist type building process where there's already a GC on board and the sooner the better to involve a prefabrication company in the in the design of the building. Again, it becomes a design assist strategy where the contractor or the stove panel affiliate is working in a collaborative method or, or process with the, the owner, GC, architect, building envelope consultant, whereas they would be involved with the engineering, shop drawings, right from the start. Uh, there's a certain time in the, of the design process where it may be too late to incorporate uh, prefabrication effectively. But if the building is designed around curtain wall or a precast, then very easily to incorporate what we're doing with stove panels. So the process would be this. You mentioned curtain wall, and when you mention curtain wall, I think of glass curtain wall, um, which obviously there's lots of different kinds of curtain walls. But if you think of, you look at a glass curtain wall system, you know, those are typically something you have to get out ahead of plenty of time, and you, you do oftentimes have contractors involved that actually 
design to performance criteria and produce shop drawings, submittals, engineering, all that kind of stuff. Is this the same sort of process with the with the panel systems? Absolutely, very very similar. You have to have to provide for enough time for engineering fabrication, and once they they've got that going, you know. I've never seen an instance where any of our affiliates have been behind. They're usually ahead of the general contractor. Panels are are loaded. They're wrapped in, in boat shrink wrap protecting them, and they're ready to roll down the highway and be flown. Question I've got for you. Um, I hope it's not a loaded question, and, and you can just answer in general terms. But we, I don't think we talked about this, and we mentioned it. But what one of the big, big advantages here that, that we talked about a year ago and, and that I've got customers now that are interested in is the time, the schedule time savings as well as far as doing it in a prefab and then sending out to the job as opposed to field direction. Can you kind of expand on that a little bit? Yeah, it, it, and this works when you have everybody working together like in that collaborative effort. Uh, but there's there's enough case studies out there right now where there's substantial time savings. Uh, one that comes to mind is a, a student housing project where they had to support 1,800 beds with a construction schedule of one year. There, there's no way that building was going to be built in one year unless it was a, a prefabricated approach. In that case, there was 180,000 square foot of stow wall panels that were erected in an 11-week time frame in the northeastern United States. So, you know, it's not weather dependent, and certainly they were able to meet that owner's schedule um, from July of 2014 to July of 2015 to be open for the fall semester of 2015. So there's a when you get to the heads and beds market, right? Healthcare, student housing, multifamily, hospitality. There's always a demand to get those people in their beds sooner, and prefabrication certainly offers that solution. I know schedule is a huge thing. That's amazing. Eleven weeks. Um, I guess everybody else would be scrambling to keep up at that point. Yeah, they enclosed the entire building envelope in eleven weeks. They even did. They even panelized the first floor. Uh, which is unusual. Mostly the first floor is not panelized, but in this case, it was a three-story panel where the bottom floor just had our backup panel, and the GC hired a separate contractor to apply thick brick on that first floor. The the upper five floors were all um, our EFS type product and thin brick. Now you were you were saying that you know it's a, that you don't they don't often put it on the first floor. Is that because of durability that they want something? Um, a different type of product on the first floor than they would have ab yeah, above where people interact? Yeah, a combination of claddings at that bottom floor, whether it be glass, stone veneer, granite. And, and, and like you said, for durability, we usually leave that up to other contractors to finish. There's, there's exceptions to that, obviously, but for the most part, uh, first floors are, are not prefabricated. All our panels are hung outside. You know, outside the slab, they're they're non-load-bearing panels. Mm -hmm. So, um, what did I forget to ask you? Well, you know what, you know, I, I guess the main thing is I get I I get this asked a lot because prefabrication is not new to this industry. So why now? Why why is Stowe doing this now? Why are why are other companies following suit? 
what's changed in the industry? What are the drivers behind why prefab now, right? And I, I think there's several reasons. Um, one of them is technology advancements. The, the introduction of BIM and Revit and 3D modeling certainly supports the prefabricated um, approach, right? Uh, the building sciences, trying to take a complex building strategy we have these days for an architect or an owner to deal with water control, air control, vapor control, and thermal control, and then put a job out to bid where multiple trades have to accomplish this goal in the field, wrapping that up to a, a panelizer, one source almost, in some cases, is a huge benefit. Uh, lean, lean construction, every major GC around the country, if you go to their websites, you'll see they have this initiative to move towards lean construction, reduce waste, improve efficiencies. All of that is provided with a prefabrication approach. Um, other drivers are the lack of manpower, uh, safety, speed, QAQC. You know, as a building envelope consultant, you're able to visit a panel plant and inspect the wall envelope and, in some cases, pre-punch that building envelope before it goes on the building. Those are just yeah, you know, I mean, I, I, yeah, I think the stuff you're saying is really compelling. I mean, it, it, I was immediately interested, and we talked about this a year ago, and and even more interested now. And, and as we were talking about before we had this call, even we've got some customers that are seriously looking at this already, and it, it just makes a lot of sense. So if people want to find out more about Stowe's panel system, where how do they do that? They can go to our, our website, Stowe Panel website, which is www.stowepanel.com. Uh, there's a couple contact names on there as well for an executive director, uh, Dominic Baruffi, and they can also call me at any point, and I can lead them in the right direction. My number is 407 466 5371. Great. Well, Tim, I think it's this is really interesting. It's been it's been a great great discussion and I, and I think it's it's a it's a thing that a lot of people are going to be interested in and I think a people a lot of people are going to be working with as time goes forward. It just it just makes so much sense. So, thank you very much for being a guest on the Everything Building Envelope podcast. You know, we'll have to do this again sometime. Yeah, thanks for having me. These are exciting times. Thanks, Paul. Okay, so that concludes this episode. Thanks for joining us today. Please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. For more information on the Everything Building Envelope, previous episodes, show notes, bonus video content, and much more, check out our website, everythingbuildingenvelope.com.